Hey, hi again. It's Rose. So happy to be sitting in for Sean Hannity today. And I want to take your phone call, so make sure you start dialing in as soon as you can at 1-800-941-SEAN. That's 1-800-941-7326. I am Rose Unplugged, and I've been here before with you, and I love Love, love doing the show. And so many of you have been so kind in the past when I've done it. And I look forward to talking to you today and interacting with you. We have a great show coming up, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But, you know, I I did want to talk about a few things, because one of the things that we're going to cover today is an actual press conference that went on right in the Pittsburgh area with local restaurants. You know, so many small businesses have had to close their doors this year for good. And a great percentage of restaurants have already closed this year, and they are saying that thousands more are expected to do the same by the end of the year. And, you know, a lot of states right now, like Pennsylvania, can only do takeout or delivery. And so for those of you that live in states like Pennsylvania, outdoor dining at this time of the year is absolutely ridiculous. So, but you got to ask this question, why are governors and mayors, and, and it's mostly happening in blue states, why are they targeting restaurants? And not some of the big box stores or some of the big corporations. But you know what I think? I think it's a great place to start if, you want to knock out the middle class. Because I want you to take a listen to some of these statistics. Seven in 10 restaurants are single unit operations. And restaurants employ more minority managers than any other industry. And and in 2019, 13 and a half million people were employed by the restaurant industry. And here's the kicker. Now listen to this. The number of middle-class jobs, I didn't make this up, it's a stat, you can find it online, in the restaurant industry grew 84% between 2010 and 2018. The number of middle-class jobs, that is three times faster than the overall economy. And I've said this before, for socialism to work, Our middle class must be eliminated. So the first target all along has been some of these small mom and pop stores, some of the restaurants. You know, 70% of those restaurants, as I said, are single unit operations. They're not huge corporations. They are mom and pop establishments. They live in the communities they serve. They hire those in the communities that they serve. And when they are attacked... When that industry is attacked, it affects more than just the restaurants themselves. Think about it. We're attacking an entire industry when we go after them. You've got the linen suppliers, the uniform suppliers, those people that, you know, the people that come in and they take those rugs out and they replace it with clean ones and and the vendors that supply food and beverages and libations, all of those vendors and all of those things that they provide. The list goes on and on. This is a huge industry. And what governors like Newsom and Wolf, to name just two, are doing effectively is destroying an entire industry. An entire industry who provides an income for the middle class. You know, for the ruling class to gain and maintain power, it must dissolve a middle class. It's been said before that one of the reasons why the ruling elite is a little leery of the middle class or wants to do away with it is because that's where the innovation comes from. You know, they're the ones out there working. They're the ones out there figuring out how can we do this better? What can we do more of? 
But the ruling class is leery of that and that innovation because it disrupts. It disrupts their plans. You know, President Reagan, before he was president, delivered a nationally televised speech for Barry Goldwater. And in that speech, he said this, either we accept the responsibility for our own destiny or we abandon the American Revolution and confess that an intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them for ourselves. Sound familiar? Seem familiar? And on that subject, in February 2019, our President Donald Trump, during his State of the Union address, said this, Here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism in our country. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. And then remember when Nancy Pelosi was sitting behind him and didn't applaud that? She didn't applaud that? Is it any wonder that the left hates him? That they fear him? During Trump's terms, term, he built the economy. He built the economy. He increased the size and income of the middle-class Americans. He understood what it took to maintain freedom and prevent socialism, and that it should be prevented. And because of that, he had to go. People, he had to go. Our founding fathers lived a restricted life before they came here. There was no middle class. There was only the ruling elites and then everybody else. What you could achieve, what level of success that you could hope for, depended upon your bloodline. But those men who crafted our fabulous document, this amazing historical document, the Constitution, that allowed other men and women to pursue a dream and to live freely, those men understood that there was greatness in all of us and that all that was necessary to unleash that greatness was freedom. And now the left wants to do all that was done for you by this president. The left wants to do all that was done for you by patriots. But since the time of the American Revolution and now, they want to undo all of that. They want to tame that greatness. Because remember, it, it presents a challenge to them, a threat to them. They want to tame that greatness to stop innovation and the disruption that innovation brings. And listen, we've got these natural defenses against socialism. We do. The left and the elites, they understand that, maybe better than many of us. And that's why they look to suppress us on so many levels, on a social level, on an economic level, on a religious Because those forces, those levels are defenses and they're powerful. They are powerful. Think about what's been done just in this year alone to suppress those forces, our social defense, they, 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 social distancing and stay at home and don't gather for the holidays. You know, that's where plans are made when you come together with other people, when we socialize, when we strategize together. The economy, that level, they, they, they shut that down. They wanted to destroy the backbone of this country, and that is small business. 
You know, they're destroying the huge strides that have been made economically over the last four years. And then religion, shutting down churches, controlling the number of people who can worship in one place at one time. These are our natural defenses, and they are powerful, and the left knows it. And the left has been doing everything they can in just one year only, even if you just look at this past year. They want to shut those forces down because they are powerful. I hope that Congress does the right thing on January 6th. We have Matt Gates out there who's saying that that he's going to the uh, challenge the Electoral College. We have Representative Jim Jordan who said he plans to participate uh, June 6th in the efforts uh, to question the 2020 election. I think that all representatives need to know that we want them to have a backbone. We want them to challenge the Electoral College and the clearly fraudulent election, because this is so important. It's important to us. It's important to the Republic. It's important for the future of our children and their children. It most definitely will have an effect on the future races. They need to know this. What they do and don't do will have an effect on their future races. Nothing in the past compares to the attitude of the people who love this republic right now. Never has there been an issue so pressing and so urgent. John Adams wrote, you will never know what it costs my generation to preserve your freedom. Make good use of it. There's a cost right now, ladies and gentlemen, an opportunity to make good use of that freedom representatives, those men that fought for the Republic, that weathered all the elements, that sacrificed their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, didn't do it so that a bunch of spineless bureaucrats could snub their nose at anyone who suggests that we fight hard that last battle to save the Republic. No, they did not die for spineless bureaucrats. They did not sacrifice all for spineless bureaucrats. We will always remember who fought for the Republic. Worry, we are watching. We are watching and taking note. And we will always remember those who did not. There are so many people who are not willing to give this up. They realize that this is a battle for the Republic. How do we know that we're not here for a time like this? Win or lose, we have to know that we stood for what was right. We fought for what was right. You know, and some of these representatives may even have staff who think otherwise. I don't care. You people that are staff, you are in a position of influence. You have a responsibility. We, the people, will hold you responsible for not having at least tried. All of those people that got on stage with the president when it benefited them, all of those people that, that are now, we need you behind this president 100%. I need you to say that you are behind him. Not just the president, though, because we've, we know this isn't about one man, one election, one presidency. This is about the future of the republic. No conservative will ever win again. Maybe a Romney, but like I said, no conservative. This is the hill that we want to die on. The hill where the battle for the Republic is fought. And we're back. And Merry Christmas. This is Christmas week. Listen, there's still a lot to be grateful for. 
And uh, I am very thankful that we have this reason for the season. How about that? I'll take your phone calls. The phone number is 1-800-941-SEAN. That's 1-800-941-7326. Let's go to Craig in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Craig, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Doing so, well, thanks. Uh, I need to I need to get this out because I've been preaching this for years, and I annoy people at work, but it's really simple. Us American citizens have been played for fools, and I'm getting tired of being labeled a Republican. I am not a Republican. I'm an independent voter. I use my own brain. I'm not a Democrat either. But the moment I spew anything out of my mouth that is somewhat conservative or makes sense, they call me a Republican, and, th- and I can't say a damn thing about it, excuse my language. The media, the Stephen Colbert's, you know who they are, all the Jim Chair, all these people that hate America. All they have to do is call you a Republican, and then you can't fight back. So what they've done is they've clever, very cleverly like marketed us and, and uh, branded us to fight against each other. Hell, we all know that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. That's even bad also. So here's my suggestion. Somehow, some way, we eliminate all party systems. There is no party system. None. So that way, the Bernie Sanders, the AOCs, the Hillarys, you know, Sleepy Joe, all of them, when they're campaigning, they have to campaign as an individual based on their merit, their values, what they're going to do for the country. You know, you got the Mitt Romneys. He's not a Republican. Again, no. I? So when everyone's campaigning for us as Americans, we pick the most qualified person, not a Democrat, not a Republican. And then that would eliminate the marketing and brandy. So, like, if I ask you one question, Coca-Cola, you close your eyes, you think of Coca-Cola, you think of the red and white and the swirl. It's branded into our brains. They have branded the word Republican as if we're some crazy people. And I'm not even a Republican, but I'm forced to vote for Republicans because the Democrats are worse. So do you see my point? If there was no party system, we would have to vote for someone like Donald Trump, who has good values. Hell, he was hanging out with the Clintons in the 90s. I'm a 51-year-old man. This is ridiculous. But everyone's too stupid to know that. He picked the Republican Party because Hillary was already the Democrat. Does that make sense? Is it possible to eliminate the party system? I think you're going to throw a wrench into the whole thing, Craig, and they're not going to be happy about that. Um, you know, and here's the thing, and it's so interesting, too, because I saw Donald Trump that way. I didn't see him as a Republican or a Democrat. Quite frankly, you know, at first I wasn't even sure what to think. Um, but as he began to talk and lay out what his platform was, I'm like, dude, I don't care what party you're in. I'm with you. And and I think that so a lot of what you're saying makes sense. And we can see it actually played out. And see, he isn't one of those guys. And I'm going to be talking about this kind of thing later on in the show. But he's not, you know, he wasn't the staff. Status quo. I mean, we are being t- we have been told so often you have to take a Romney. It's his turn, and or McCain. It's his turn. And I think the people were sick of that. And you know, because that, they weren't our choice. And so finally, we had a man who just didn't fit the status quo. You see what I'm saying? And so, um, and, and I didn't see him as a Democrat or Republican. I saw him as somebody that just simply loved this country. All right, we'll be back with lots more after the break. Don't go away. I'll still take your phone calls, so hang in there with us. And I've got some really interesting guests coming up as well. So we're going to have fun today. 
And Merry Christmas to everybody. This is Rose Tennant, and I love sitting in for Sean Hannity, and I love his audience already hearing from a lot of you via email. Thank you for your input. And uh, my Facebook, I just want to remind everyone, please go and like me and follow me at Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged, the same on MeWe. Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. And right now, if you go there, uh, you will see a list of restaurants to find governor's orders and staying open. And on that subject, I have on the phone with me, he called in, Rodney Ambrogi. He's the owner of Al's Cafe. He's been he's been the owner for 52 years, and his mom and dad ran it for the nine years prior to that. So you've got a cafe that's been open 61 years. 61 years, and now they are being told in the state of Pennsylvania, I believe he's in Allegheny County, that they need to shut down completely unless they're doing delivery or takeout. Rodney, what do you say to all of that, to the governor's mandate? Well, you know what I say, I'm not in, I'm not going to participate in it. I don't believe it's right. So right now our restaurant is open, and uh, like I said, I'm not participating in closing up. Does it, are you, do, are, ahead, you I'm sorry. are you worried at all? Are you worried about staying open despite uh, the the health department has already been there? The LCB came in with the state police. Does that scare you or worry you in any way? Uh, not really, only because we're following all the CDC guidelines. We do social distance, distancing. Everybody's wearing masks. Our sanitation in the kitchen and throughout the restaurant is is up to date every half hour and somebody's you know going through sanitizing everything doing what we do we're doing our job to COVID, but uh closing up as i believe is not as unconstitutional it's breaking our uh, i don't understand why we have to close and all the big change and other industries are open and they're shutting us down at the most critical time of of uh, our industry right now and uh our employees are out on unemployment, and as I can't sh- shut the door and t- get tell them they're furloughed, I won't do it. Are you seeing a lot of support from other restaurant owners? Yeah, there's a number of us now that we started an association. It's been a while ago now, probably July the 4th, and I had about 174 restaurants that were involved. Through that, we probably have about uh, maybe 10 or 12 restaurants now that are open throughout Allegheny County and Washington County, standing up for their rights and understanding what uh, the risk is. So that's where we're at right now. Um, well, I have to give you a lot of credit. That's got to be very brave. It's a very brave thing to do. And uh, and I know that you um, have said that your business is doing very well. So that's good, which means that your employees are doing very well. And at a time where, you know, some of your employees are single moms and want to, they need to make ends meet and they want to have a good Christmas for their children. I mean, I know that's probably on your heart as well when you make those decisions to stay open. Well, for myself, I think that was the most important decision I had to make was that I couldn't look at these people that worked for me for 30 years, 20 years, and on and on, and shut the door on them and tell them to go start collecting unemployment. And they've been loyal to me. I have to be loyal to them. And uh, thank God we have a tremendous amount of support throughout uh, our area and 
all of the state people calling us and supporting us, coming from miles around to have dinner here and support us. So we've been fortunate that way. So it makes it a little easier for me to continue going on with the decision that I made to open up. All right. Well, you know. You know what? God bless you. And uh, stay strong, Rodney, and it's Elle's Cafe, and there are others. Uh, Rodney, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to you. You know, you hear from people like that, and your heart goes out to them. Here's a man that for um, 52 years has run this business, and uh, he's a Vietnam vet. He served our country, and, and, and we want to destroy that business of 52 years, and he's, he's got employees that he cares about and understands they need this job, they need the tips. So I, I got to tell you, I, I put a list up. Check out my social media, Rose Unplugged on Facebook, Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged, and Instagram is Rose Unplugged in number one. You'll find on there a list of restaurants defying governor's orders and staying open. I don't have a problem with that at all, at all. So um, you know what I want to do is just real quick, and I want to get to two, a couple of phone calls. Stay with me. Uh, definitely want to talk to you online. But while I'm talking about what's on my Twitter page, uh, one of the things I put on there is um, raw data from Arizona. And the people that put this together tell me that um, they use the experts in, in the data science and analytics field, and they included all the raw, raw data to create this transparency in their research and their conclusions. And it's very powerful. I had a lot of people that shared it and liked it. Um, and I wanted to talk to Linda about that because it's really, I think it's important information to get out. And you're telling me that there's even more information that's available. And I'm going to put on my page uh, during the break, Linda. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Rose. You know, we, there's there's so many amazing patriots out there, you know, and they're not getting paid. They're putting in tons of hours and they're doing in the work that a lot of these rhinos in office just don't have the time, the effort, or the courtesy to do for their constituents. Mm. And, you know, the time is now, right? Like, there are millions and millions and millions of people that voted for this president, you know, and and, and Biden couldn't get five people to show up in a parking lot, you know? I mean, <laughs> there's just right. no excuse for this. And so if I put aside all of the the partisanship, right, and I'm just looking at the very clear raw data, if we just look at it completely as an as a neutral person, there are so many strange errors and corrections. And it has nothing to do that we are talking about right now with Dominion machines or absentee ballots. It has everything to do with all of those elements all together. Mm. And we need to either prove or disprove the theory. We need to be doing forensic audits of machines. We need to be looking at this data and figuring out why there are negative totals in, in the columns of Trump's votes. You know, voting is an additive process. There should never be votes being taken away from a candidate in an election. And, you know, the most important thing for the American people to do is to let their local legislators know that we need to have these machines protected, preserved, and put somewhere or kept somewhere where they are completely secure so that we can have these forensic audit teams come in and look at them. So, you know, Speaker of the House of Arizona is Rusty Bowers, you know. This guy is, is doing the best he can to make sure that we can get this forensic audit. We've got five supervisors in Maricopa County that have supported the forensic audit. We need to call these people. We yes. need to let them know that we support them and we want them to do the right thing. Because if the whole stigma of your vote matters, your vote, you know, your vote matters everywhere we go. Does it matter? Does it really matter? Hmm. How much fraud is too much? Is one enough? Is two enough? I want you know to know what? when we're going to call the data on the carpet. Nobody's talking about the data. And this one group is. They've been putting out great, great videos, working hard. They even put their spreadsheets in the description so that you can look at it yourself and figure it out. 
Wow. And there, you know, and you're right. You mentioned that there are so many great patriots out there. And and that's the thing. And, and Linda, we are going to hold people responsible. I mean, this may be the last stand that they can take and they need to take it. Our representatives need to understand how important this is to us. And, and that's exactly we right. We need our we need our congressmen who want to go home and, and unwrap presents under the Christmas tree. Give your kids the gift of freedom. Get to Hello. work. Get Hello. to work. Where Best are the senators? Where are the congressmen? Where are the legislators? It's enough already. We, are, we elected you to protect our vote. That is our civic duty. It is our constitutional privilege to do this. We're not going to stand by and watch it just be taken away. So we need to look at the data. And if somebody can prove in the data that we're seeing these strange anomalies, all these weird flips and switches, if you're so sure you won, if you're so sure your program's correct, if you're so sure your chain of custody is secure, why not let us look at it? What are you hiding? And where where are these congressmen, where are these senators out there protecting us? That's what I want to know. We have or you have, I should say, a a comprehensive list of uh, contact information for certain states. Um, There's spreadsheets available if people want to get on the phone and make their voice heard to their representatives. Um, That's right. You know, I can find that. Yeah, absolutely. I will give you the link. There is there is a comprehensive list out there. It's all about calling your legislators. There's a video out there telling you how to do it. I found it online. It's fantastic. They've got all the legislator numbers, phone numbers, emails, everything you could possibly need. And we're going to be uh, we're going to be retweeting that, too, and putting that out. So just, you know, call your local people. Do not get complacent. It is not over until every vote is counted. And I assure you, every vote has not been counted. And a lot of votes that should have been that sh- that have been counted should not have been. And we need mm. to get to the bottom of it. We do indeed. Data I mean, is this is answer. serious business. This is serious business. The most serious business that we will ever face. And those representatives they better do the right thing. I'm telling you, they better do the right thing. They're I don't only going to do thinking, it. Some they're, of them. They're only going to do the right thing if we make them, and we That's have right, to. That's right, my friend. That's right. I love you, Linda. Linda, Thank I you, love Rose. you. Linda for president. <laughs> <laughs> I will count all those. I'm too votes. smart for that. What are you nuts? <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that list is available to you and I'll put it up on my social media. Check out at Rose underscore and plug. Linda was referencing um, some of the raw data and you can take a look at it for yourself. Um, So you can find that also at at Rose underscore unplugged. And I put it on my Facebook as well. Uh, We'll have a lot more information for you on that social media platform. And so will Linda. She's going to to post and and tweet it out. So we're going to take a break right now. I I will get those phone calls and coming up. Up. Next hour is so exciting. We have got former Speaker Newt Gingrich and Governor Christy Noem. I can't wait to talk to them. All right, we'll be back with lots more. This is The Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Check me out, Rose Unplugged, on all platforms. It's time to take back America. This is The Sean Hannity Show. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, and we'll take some of those phone calls. Patrick from Colorado, thanks for holding on. How you doing? Good. How are you? Well, thank you. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. You have no idea how much I wanted to voice my opinion on this whole election fraud. I'm just a basic citizen, a self-employed you know, person that works hard and... What I'm seeing is just, it's hard to believe. It's like watching some kind of movie right now. And if you don't mind, I would like to go back, clear back to the last war we had in the revolution of our country. It was the battle. It was a great battle of Yorktown. It was George Washington. You know, he was, I mean, we were basically, 
in a good position finally. We, we, we surrounded Cornwallis, General Cornwallis, who had 8,000 troops deeply dug in, you know, in Virginia and Chesapeake Bay. And George Washington had to make a decision, okay? He, this was about timing. He couldn't be a coward. He had to be fearless. And he decided to go ahead and try to get closer to the enemy lines. So he attacked, you know, he unloaded his guns and sent 2,200 men up to this heavily fortified trench, you know, and they put their bayonets on. They didn't even have loaded guns, and they screamed, yelled and hollered and ran towards the enemy, fearless. And it scared the enemy. And even though they were more fortified, they were highly outnumbered. George Washington's troops prevailed. They only lost 30 people in that whole attack. Wow, that's a good story. Okay, this is what we have to do right now. We can't have coward people in leadership positions. We can't have, you know, our senators and congressmen and and justices, you know, saying, gee, I don't want to affect my career, but this probably isn't going to happen. So why would I want to put myself out on the limb? This is about timing. You have to do it now, just like George Washington did. And that's why we have a republic now. If we don't do anything about this right now, it's not going to, it's never going to change. We're, we're never going to be able to go back. Amen. So I just hope that we can Thank get you. these congressmen and senators and judges to quit being fearful, to be courageous. Do, you know, we need some George Washingtons right now. We and do. Right now I'm seeing it. So anyways, I appreciate you letting me vent that. Patrick, I love history and there's so much to learn from it. Thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, this is the hill that we want to die on. This because because otherwise the republic will die on it, and we cannot allow that to happen. And this is as great a battle as the Revolutionary War was because we fight for the same thing. We fight for the republic. We fight for freedom. Gal, real quick, let me take your phone call. Hello. Hi, honey. Okay, I was just I was listening to some of the things, and I really applaud that one caller who had a. A, business, a restaurant business is keeping it open. But I've also been very irritated by listening to reports that people are doing GoFundMe accounts. Yeah, I'll grant you I'm older, but I've never begged for a dime for anything in my life. And it, to me, if they want me to help them, which I would, if they were fighting themselves, if they would stand up and fight their governments. I don't yeah. care if it's New York, Wisconsin, California, Pennsylvania. People have got to learn to stand up and fight. This is not, and not be afraid. COVID. And thank you, Gail. I have to go because I have less than a minute. Thank you, honey. And that's a good point. And, and as Patrick said as well, you know, you can't be afraid. And, and, and look at the accomplishment of, of George Washington's uh, army. Smaller numbers. They weren't as well equipped. And yet, you know what? Um, you make a loud noise, my friends. We make a loud noise because what we are fighting for what we are making a noise for is so important. There, there has never been a generation that has been faced with this risk, this risk of the government taking our freedoms away. And you know what? Once they, we allow them to do that, we will never get them back. I assure you, we will never get them back. They take the power from the American people, and then they turn around and they use that power against the American people. Stand firm, people. Speak out. This is our battle, and we must win it. And we will have at Rose 
underscore unplugged on Twitter. I'll have that link for you. Check out Facebook as well. Like me and follow me there. Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. I want to hear from you. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Check me out on social media. It's Rose Unplugged on Facebook. Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. And Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. Now, my first guest of the afternoon, gosh, when I think about all the things that she does, like I feel like I'm a really lazy person. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a farmer, a rancher, small business owner. And it just so happens she is the governor of South Dakota. Please welcome to the show Governor Christy Nome. How are you, Governor? I'm doing great, Rose. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. You know, I saw you. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. I got in late, but I saw you last week. I'm on the board of directors for Moms for America, and they awarded you with the Mother of Influence Award. And you were so inspiring that I'm actually going to like save some time at the end of the end of the interview to talk to you about some of your backstory because I feel like it provides hope and inspiration at a time right now where we need both. So I'll get to that, but before. Before I do, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Um, there is a record number of Republican women in your legislature in South Dakota, and we've been seeing a good number uh, in this last election all the way around, state races and federal races. Uh, what do you think, why are we seeing these increased numbers? Why are women suddenly coming out and getting elected? Well, I think it's incredibly important that women are running and that they are being supported and elected into these positions. I Everywhere I go and end up in front of a group of people, I talk about the need to have a different perspective around the table when we're having policy discussions. Uh, you know, in my viewpoint, there's never been women's issues or men's issues. There's just a woman's perspective on every single issue, and it's often different. We just look at things differently. We we, we do a lot of different um, activities in the household, outside the household. We're often juggling a lot of different responsibilities, and that viewpoint is necessary at, at that discussion in order for us to have a law or a statute or a policy that really does work. So I always tell them, if you've got diversity around the table having that debate, you're going to end up with a better product because you'll have vetted it better. You'll have talked about the background, the real impact on families, and uh, it'll serve your state well. It'll serve your country well. So I think the women in South Dakota get it. Um, they know they're needed. Um, and they're doers. People in South Dakota are just workers. You know, we don't have anybody that really just is looking for somebody else to take care of them in the Midwest. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they look at if there's a job that needs to be done, uh, the women are stepping up and they're going to come and make sure that the state continues to run and work as well as it always has for people. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I and I I think it's interesting too that all over the country we did really see some races won by women, particularly in the Republican Party. And I think that you're right, we bring a unique perspective to the table. Not only that, we have a view of the future where our children are concerned and their children. And I think when we bring that into the mix, um I think it's something that's well needed, particularly right now when we look at, you know, the Republic and how it seems to be hanging on by a thread at the moment. Uh those are things that we look at a little differently, but we 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 have lifeline in our in our, on our mind always and in our heart. You know, just going further and thinking about those future generations. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you know we are we are mothers and and dads are fathers too, and they care about their children as well. 
But historically, women are the ones making a lot of financial decisions in the home. They're making the health care decisions. They're also running businesses, and they're working in a workplace. So they just do have, and oftentimes they're caring for their elderly parents as well. So they just have a different set of challenges. And what I tell people all the time when they talk about women in leadership or women running for office is that women just need to be asked. There is just a difference, Um, and the biggest difference that I saw when it really became real to me was way back when Eric Cantor was majority leader in the House of Representatives, and I was serving at the time, and and Eric uh, lost his primary election, and that, that, if you remember that, Rose, it was national news. It Mm -hmm. was just a big, it started to hit the news that night, and we were all shocked by it. And my phone immediately blew up with a bunch of text messages from members of Congress that all said, Christy, I'm running for majority leader. Will you help me? Will you help me get the wow. vote? I want to be majority leader. And I got dozens of texts. And I was telling somebody on the House floor the next day, I said, here's the problem. I said, because um, all those texts were for men. I said, oh. every man, as soon as they heard that we would have to elect a new majority leader, they thought I would be the best majority leader ever. And every woman in the House thought, oh, I don't know if I could do that job. I don't know if I have the skill to do the job. And I just, that was when it really hit me that we just view ourselves differently. We, and many times women need to be, you know, encouraged, asked to run, told you do have the skills to do this job and we need you. And it would be a fantastic thing if we all woke up with the confidence that men have, <laughs> that they would be the best ever at everything that they do. Um, but many times we're already busy and, and women tend to look at what needs to get done rather than am I the one who's going to get credit for it or am I the one that should be the leader of the team. So um, that's what I think has happened is that the Republican Party has decided to get out there to find those good candidates and uh, and ask them to run. And they've exactly. just said, yes, I'm doing it. Yep. You know, and it's interesting, too, as we watched you and we got to know you over the last, especially this last year, um, I, I know that I, in particular, just sat up straight and had to listen to everything you said because I was identifying with you. I was saying, you know, here's a woman, a strong woman, a woman who's not afraid to get out there and work the farm or a ranch or, or or run a business. And she has something to say. And I liked what I was hearing, what you had to say. As a matter of fact, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, Christy Nome for president someday, okay? And I will be the first to work on that campaign. But um, we liked you, and we we needed a voice like you. You were a strong voice. You were conservative. And here's the thing. You weren't afraid or embarrassed to be conservative. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, honestly, conservative people and our viewpoints and what we believe um, is believing in people and that every single person should have equal opportunity to be successful. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, that that's what this country was built on, founded on, was that every single person gets a chance, gets an opportunity to be successful. And and that that is something we should all be proud of. That's what's caused America to be the greatest country in the world, you know, for generations and has sustained us. So a lot of times, um, you know, we we don't hear it articulated very well, and that's kind of why I've learned throughout this pandemic and everything that our state and the country has gone through to learn that I can't just tell people my decisions and what I'm doing, that I needed to educate them on why I was making that decision. And the reason why I was making that decision was because I believe in people. I love people. 
I understand their need to be able to take care of their families and and that that was and I also understood what's special about our constitution and and the the governance that our founding fathers gave us and so um, having that educational process as to why conservatives make the decisions that they do I think is incredibly important because that's how people really understand what our beliefs and our and our heart really is. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of, you know, we mentioned uh, COVID and a lot of things that have been, you know, it's been a very tough year for so many people, uh, 2020. And some of the governors that just, just hand down these mandates to the people of their state and people are drowning. They're drowning in debt. They have no work. They Businesses are closing for the first time. You know, I have a guy that's struggling right now. He's been in business for 52 years. You know, um, and that educational process, you know, we feel that, you know, you some of these governors make these mandates, they make these determinations without any explanation. So that actually makes sense. And I appreciate you saying that. And uh, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of us. And why are we suffering through this? No matter what the decisions are, if, if, if we could have had some explanation, some education in the process. Now, you guys, I mean, one of the things that you had talked about in the past is how, you know, this dealing with COVID is not a, it's not a sprint activity we don't just it's a like it's a marathon it's a a long-term thing and so you have to be considering the end game all the way through and and i think that's how you've approached your state and how you govern it yeah i remember back in january when we first heard about this virus and the fact that it was coming um and that it would be hitting our state eventually um and then the president announced uh you know within march i believe it was that for 2 weeks he was going to encourage everybody in the nation to stay home and try to slow down the spread of the virus right i, I you know i knew that um from everybody i'd been talking to the science scientists the doctors the health experts that that this virus was going to come that we couldn't stop it because the science tells us that we could slow it down um, but we didn't have any therapeutics or vaccines that would prevent people from getting it at that point. Um, but I think that two-week mindset made people think, well, we just got to do this for two weeks. We can do that, and then things will go back to normal. But from everybody that I had been talking to, I knew we could be doing this for the next year to year and a half. So I was pretty clear with my team here in the state that we needed to help people keep perspective and we also knew that when we made a decision, that we had to sustain it, that I couldn't get five cases in South Dakota and shut everything down because right. a month later we might have 500 cases. And then how would I justify opening it back up? Wow. You know, that, that it wouldn't make any sense to reverse course when things were actually, by all technical standards, you know, worse. And so that's the conversation I had uh, with local leaders, with city councils, because I knew that I wanted to stay within the authorities that I had as governor, that there was just decisions I was not going to make because I didn't have the authority to shut down businesses. I don't have the authority as governor to define what an essential business is. That's, Amen. that's not something that governors have the authority to do is to tell you that your business isn't important. Um, but so I knew what I would do and that I would stay within the role that I have that my constitution and my state constitution give me. But and I also spent hundreds of hours talking to city council members and to mayors in my state and telling them, you do have the ability to pass an ordinance. You do have the ability to use some tools, but make sure that you can sustain that activity. I want you to look at, keep perspective that this is something you may have to do for months at a time. And can you do that? and expect people to do that and have it be successful. And I think that helps the entire state make better decisions because they knew all along that 
this wasn't going to be something to do for a week or two. It was something we were going to have to do for months up to a year. And we started that conversation way back in February and March. You know, and the people of South Dakota are very lucky to have you. We're talking to Governor Kristi Noem. Before we go, we have like maybe three minutes stretching it. I, I just wanted, you know, I was listening to you as we presented you with Moms for America, presented you with the uh, Mother of Influence Award. And look, you faced a lot of adversity in your life, but you were victorious every time. And if you would leave, like if you had a two-minute message for the people listening today, this is Christmas week, um, people need hope, something to hold on to, what would you say to them in those two minutes? Well, I mean, number number one, I would say that that it is about perspective. I mean, we had challenges in our lives, but but I choose to look at every one of those challenges as an opportunity. And and I think that if you can look at the hard things you're going through and realize that somebody else around you is probably going through something harder, um, you know, that, that that helps you wake up every day happy and optimistic. And I was talking to a group of students this weekend, and I just told them, I said, um, you know, people are being crippled right now by fear. They're being crippled by their emotions. And just know that you have the power every day to wake up and to decide to be happy. You have the opportunity to wake up this morning and decide to be optimistic and look for other people that you can bless. Because I think that while people face adversity and challenges, that's, that's a chance to really become a problem solver. That's the chance to really build confidence in yourself by showing you can get through that situation. So, you know, I would just encourage people, it's Christmas that we woke up this morning in the United States of America, we are more blessed than 99.9% of the other people in this world just by waking up here. And that I guarantee you, you wouldn't have to walk very far down the street to find somebody who's going through something much harder than you are. And that this might be an opportunity and a good season and a, and a good holiday to reach out to them and figure out what you can do to benefit them. I like that a lot. Governor Christy Nome, thank you so much and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Oh, Merry Christmas to you, Rose. Loved visiting with you. Thank you. Same here. You're listening to The Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Tennant. Check me out on Rose Unplugged on Facebook, at Rose underscore Unplugged on Twitter. I I love Governor Christy Nome. This woman, her family's beautiful. She's Gosh, she's gorgeous. I mean, how flat of a stomach can you get? I, and those arms are so toned, but I like her for other reasons too, but I really admired that. She's a wonderful woman, and the people of South Dakota truly are very fortunate to have her. We'll be back with your phone calls, one 800 what is it, 1-800, why don't I have that in front of me? 941-SEAN, there it is, 1-800-941-SEAN. I'll take some phone calls, and Speaker Gingrich coming up too, not too far from now. We'll be back. Okay, I'm getting teased by just about everybody because I talked about Governor Nome's flat stomach and toned arms. But listen, in addition to being a kick-ass governor, she's allowed to be beautiful. I think that's the best part. She's smart. She's great. She's a great governor. And, like, she looks really good. It's okay. Yeah, and, and then all the women I know that were texting me, oh, man, you're so right about her. I love her. They love Christy Nome. They just adore her. They really do. Listen, get on Twitter. Go to at Rose underscore unplugged. Make sure you go to I just what Linda was talking about earlier was getting on the phone and calling your legislators. We need to protect the republic. You need to not only like this, but you've got to retweet it. You have to share it all over the place. Okay, do it at Rose underscore unplugged. And when you go there, you'll see the cutest dog in the whole wide world, Tucker. And he is wishing you a Merry Christmas. You have to check him out on Twitter. And coming up next, 
Speaker Newt Gingrich, I have a political crush on him. That's okay. And it's okay. We'll be back with a lot more. Make sure you check it out during the break. Go to Facebook, Rose Unplugged, Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged, and Instagram is Rose Unplugged with the number one. We'll be back with so much more after this. And Speaker Newt Gingrich. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Check me out on Facebook, Rose Unplugged, Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged, and Instagram, Rose Unplugged in the number one. And then Parlor and MeWe, it's still Rose Unplugged, and so is my website. Uh, let's take some phone calls until my guest, uh, I put my guest on. Uh, let's go with Fred in Michigan. Hey, Fred, how are you? Fine. Thank you very much. You are doing a wonderful job in substituting for Sean today. You got to watch out. You may be replacing him. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we need Sean. <laughs> your, so, uh, your guests have been tremendous, and you've carried this program very well. What I called about is what you said early on in the program pertaining to our founding documents. Yes. The surprising thing and the concern that I have that many people in Washington have forgotten those founding documents, and most particularly the founders and the sacrifices they made to ensure that we had a country of individual liberty, freedom, and justice and due process for all. I particularly refer to the last sentence of the Declaration of Independence, where they said in, in response to this declaration, we pledge our fortune, our lives, and our sacred honor. Yes. Now, I don't know of any politicians in Washington today who realize that they are at the same kind of critical moment that those wonderful founders who did sacrifice, many of them sacrificed their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor. And uh, Mary Otis Warren was an author and a, uh, and a uh, <coughs> excuse me, a historian on the Revolution, wrote in 1805 uh, about the Salvation Army. Uh, correction, the Salvation Army, I apologize. Um, I work with them quite a bit, do great work with them. Uh, but with about the founders and the, the heroicness that they did, also referring to the uh, the uh, original Congress and, and the people of the United States and how those documents referred to everyone. And uh, she said, all youth could read this regularly and know the commitment that was made, because if they fail to do that, we'll ultimately cease to have that individual freedom, liberty, and justice for all. This is in 1805. I certainly think it pertains to today as well. You know, I agree with you. And you, um, and you were a former judge, uh, Linda tells me, that it's on my screen. Is that correct? Yes, I did. I was a circuit judge in Oakland County for over uh, 26 years and enjoyed it immensely. And uh, I'm really concerned about our judiciary today and the two professions that I'm most critical of. I'm also uh, was a part of a medical law committee wherein we're trying to bring the two great professions together to realize we should cease being conflicting with each other and work together because we're service organizations, not necessarily looking to the almighty buck but looking to the individual citizens who we are to help. 
but I'm very concerned about politics being in both of our professions today, and we've got to address that as well. Amen. Oh, Fred, thank you so much, and thank you for what you've done in, in your lifetime. And, and uh, history is so important. I am so glad that you brought up those examples. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you and all the people. I'm Sean Hannity. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you. Yes, so they very are. Much. Thank you. Hey, Scott. Let's go to Scott in Pittsburgh. How are you, Scott? I'm broadcasting from WJAS right now, in fact, in Pittsburgh. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. Hey, I just wanted to tell you, I told uh, Linda this, that um, uh, you've heard of the Rush Babies. I was yes. a Quinn and Rose baby. <laughs> there you go. Jim <laughs> Quinn. Jim Quinn, I did the show with for 20 20 years, my goodness, and we're still friends, imagine. But uh, he uh, he's at warroom.com. He is the war room. That's always been his. Warroom.com is Jim Quinn. You can still listen to him there, too. So, but yeah, I, um, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, the restaurant industries and the hospitality, and I'm in the fire service industry, and I'm seeing steel mills, steel oh, yeah. processing areas, uh, you know, people making wire, making bridge materials, they're all slow. They are all, everyone is suffering because of these shutdowns. You know, you're right, Scott. It's not just that industry, but I, I was giving it as an example, but it's an, an effort to destroy the middle class. That's how I see it. Not just the middle class, but the blue collar, you know, men and women that are making this country run. Absolutely. Um, and I just got an uh, email from someone listening right now in New York who has a winery and he's struggling. I mean, they're struggling all over. This this cannot continue to go on. And that's why I have to give a lot of credit to those people who are, you know, defying um, these orders that are not even laws and, and getting out there and, and continuing business. And Scott, thanks for your call, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, it's so important. We were just talking about Jim Quinn. He came up with the idea we should do these little um, speakeasies again, right? You know, like draw all the curtains, put down the blinds, put candles on the table and give a password, you know, like the big bad wolf sent me, you know, something like that. Can't use that now because now everybody knows. But, you know, do that. Hey, by the way, I want to mention a couple of things. My friend, Juanita Broderick, I was so excited, Juanita, to run into you in Washington, D.C. last week. She's listening. I just want to say hello. Love you, girl. You are one of the bravest, sweetest people I know. Love you so much. And also, I want to remind everyone, you know, we've been talking about the representatives, and Linda gave me that link. It is at, at Rose underscore unplugged. Go there, get that link, reach out to your congressmen, your representative, representatives, and you know what? Share that link with others. Retweet that. But, um, you know, and Congress, Rose, can I add one more point? Do you mind if I, I interrupt you? I'm so absolutely sorry. Not, so we also put it on Hannity.com for, yes. for those of you who are looking for it. So you can find all the information. And, you know, we just want to make that call to action very clear. We want you out there. We want you to call your legislators. Call them. Call, <laughs> call, call your legislators. <laughs> Is that hard for you to say, Linda? Well, it's it's a mix, you know, because I'm from <laughs> Philly. I lived in New York for 15 years. I'm back in Philly. It's My mouth is just a hot mess. But uh, the accent anyway. But all that to say, you know, we just want you out there. We want you to be activated, motivated, and engaged. You know, Amen. Don't watch the mainstream media. Do not listen to mainstream media. The mainstream media has been lying to you for more than four years. They've oh, been lying yeah. to you forever. So the, now's not the time. It's just not the time. You know, don't get caught up in Dancing with the Stars or America's Got Talent. You know, stay engaged. You know, take care of your country. It's the only one you got. A girl, she's so right. So call, call. Call I your legislator. 
cool your legislation. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can do Pittsburgh. People know Oh, that you I'm got Pittsburgh down pat, I got that yeah, down pat. You don't need to I worry know. about that. I try mm-hmm. to work on that, but hey, what are you going to do? We all have all these years. It is what it is. It is what it is. We love yours, though, and we love you, Linda. We, we love do. you back. And you too, Thank Ethan, you. over there. I can hear him in the background Thank laughing. <laughs> hey, listen, and that reminds me what Linda has to say. You know, Congress is meeting. On January 6th at 1 o'clock, I believe. And um, a lot of people want to put pressure on them. So I know that Stop the Steal, um, Ali's got this thing going at the Capitol. They're going to start gathering at 10 o'clock. They want you to come to D.C. if you can. Um, They want it so that Stop the Steal wants it so that those representatives have to walk by the people, by we the people, before they go in. So um, join Stop the Steal. You can check out what they're doing at StopTheSteal.us. So, all right, what else have we got? I'll tell you what. Let's take a break right now. And I want to come back and get some of these phone calls. And there are some other things I want to share with you. Because when we think about losing our freedom, uh, you think about some of the other countries that have lost their freedom and how people have survived or didn't survive. And I have a really cool story I want to share with all of you. So don't go too far away. We'll be back with a lot more right after this. Okay, we're back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. And please feel free to call in. The phone number is 1-800-941-7326. 941-7326. Check me out on social media. It's Rose Unplugged uh, on Facebook. And my website is Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one after it. I want to tell you a little interesting story because... um. I met up with someone while I was in D.C. I was in D.C. all last week. It was really fun. I got to go to the Christmas uh, White House reception one evening, and I got to go out with Leah and Caroline from Women for Trump. They're such great ladies. I love them. And I just had a great week. It was a wonderful time of just running and uh, hooking up with people I hadn't seen for a long time. Anyway, um, you know, I I want to talk about Tiananmen Square Massacre. You know, it happened in 1989, as most of us know. Now, I bring this up because while I was in D.C. last week, I met up with Sean Lynn. Now, I just, I love this guy. We've got to, gotten to know each other. Um, he's covered a lot of events that I've done. And uh, he's the program host for NTD TV, and it's part of Epoch or Epic, whatever you want to say, media group. So, and by the way, I want to mention something too. Many of those employees at Epoch Times have lived under communist regimes, um, both in China and other parts of the world. So they know firsthand it's tyranny. And we are looking at tyranny right now, make no doubt about it. So I was telling Sean um, about an exchange student that we once had from China. And when I had asked the exchange student when he first came to live with us, you know, what he thought about the events at Tiananmen Square and he looked at me like he didn't know what I was talking about. And he he didn't know what I was talking about. He said he had never heard anything about it. And I, I thought, wow, that's that's amazing. And, you know, when you think about it, too, remember when we were getting stories about China um, working with uh, some of our big tech companies and big tech was covering for them and they were censoring stories. And I thought I remember thinking to myself, man, that really that's terrible that a U.S.-based company would after actually censor anywhere else. And I, and I thought, well, that doesn't happen here. But it does happen here. It is happening here right now. So anyway, I was telling Sean Lynn uh, about my exchange student, how I was shocked that he had never heard and he was never taught it in school about the Tiananmen Square massacre and knew nothing about it. And 
I was surprised to hear that Sean Lin actually was a student at the time. He didn't live in Beijing, but he traveled from his university to Tiananmen Square. And he was actually there at that time in 1989 and protesting. And he told me that he actually watched as a tank, can you believe this, purposefully backed up in order to run over the head of a student who had fallen behind the tank. So a student falls behind the tank and that tank, the driver of the tank purposefully puts it in reverse to run over the skull of that child, that young person. And he was telling me about how shocking it was to witness, no doubt, something as horrific as that. And I asked Sean, what was it that led you to join the protest in the first place? Because, you know, as a student, he wasn't being taught about freedom. He wasn't talked to about oppression. And, you know, why did you feel that, that you needed to be there? And he said that while he was at the university, he always felt this, this something deep inside of him, that people should be free. It was just, it was just something that was a part of him. He just always thought, I don't, he just knew it, inherently knew that people should be free. Even though he wasn't taught that, it wasn't a popular or even talked about concept in China at that time, but he just found it in his innermost being. And, you know, I thought about that a lot, and I thought, you know, we don't need to told, be told we should be free. We instinctively know it. Even if someone has never tasted it, they feel it somehow. And I just thought that was so profound, and I wanted to share that with all of you today. And and by the way, speaking of China, I just noticed in Epoch, or Ep- I asked him about that, too. I'm like, is it Epoch or is it e- Epic? And he said it started out as Epoch, but everybody over here calls it Epic, so it's whatever. But um, the there was a China-based uh, Zoom executive, according to an Epoch News story, that was charged for disrupting meetings about Tiananmen Square Massacre. So actually, the U.S. prosecutors are, have charged a Chinese-based executive of Zoom over his role in disrupting video meetings held to commemorate the Tiananmen Square Massacre um, December 18th. So Zoom, by the way, was developed in China, and the prosecutors alleged that the executive worked under the direction of Chinese security officials to censor a series of meetings on the Tiananmen Square Massacre anniversary. So, um, you know, this is something, it really is, but it, it continues to happen. And now we see that this happens in our country. My God, we never, ever thought that we would see that here in this country. It just astounds me. It really does. You know, and we talked about, and I want to get, I will get to your phone calls, by the way. I think, though, hold on a second. What time is it? Do I have, no, I don't have someone until five o'clock, so I can definitely take those phone calls. And at five, after five, after the break, I have Herschel Walker joining me. I love this guy. Former NFL player for Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants. And uh, and he does all this other stuff. He's like Christy Nome. He's like a former bobsledder, sprinter, mixed martial artist. Again, I'm feeling like I'm just not doing enough with my life right now. He's amazing, amazing guy. So he'll be joining us right after the top of the hour. So in the meantime, I have plenty of time to take your phone calls. So don't forget, go to Twitter right now. It's at Rose underscore Unplugged. And that is where I have a bunch of information. And by the way, the most beautiful dog in the world, happened to be prejudiced, yes, of course, Golden Doodle Tucker, my Tucker, is wishing you a Merry Christmas. Check him out there. Also check Instagram, Rose Unplugged. And the number one, Rose Unplugged, just about everywhere else on every platform. Welcome back to The Hannity Show. My name is Rose, Rose Tennant, 
Sitting in for the great and awesome Sean Hannity. I do love that guy. Oh, I saw him in Washington, D.C. too last week. Wow, I just, I had so much fun, I have to say, in that place. But um, listen, in that place on January 6th, they're going to meet. Your representatives are going to meet at 1 o'clock at the Capitol. So uh, stop the steal. Because the president has called for it. Stop the Steal is asking people to start gathering around 10 o'clock at the Capitol. Uh, we, I'm told that Ali wants pe- the, the uh, representatives to have to walk past them as they go in. So start gathering at 10. If you want more information, just go to StopTheSteal.us. All right. Joining me now. I love this guy. So many people. In fact, I had texts and emails. I can't wait till he comes on. He is a former NFL player for the Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants. And then if that weren't enough, okay, he's also a former bobsledder, sprinter, mixed martial artist. He now works with the president's administration on the president's council on sports fitness and nutrition and today we're going to talk about the state of the nation with him please welcome to the show herschel walker how are you i don't hear me hi how are you herschel i'm doing well how are you doing doing very well you know when i was in dc last week i happened to be with a uh, a large group of people from Georgia. You know, I know you're from there originally. They just adore you there. And you've been doing so much work for the president and on behalf of the republic. So I just want to say thank you so much for what you've done. Well, you don't have to thank me. You know, what I'm doing is not just for the president. I, I say it's for America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, right now, uh, I think America is in a fight. I don't think the people really know what we're fighting about. You know, everyone talks about what's going on in Georgia and all, guys, it's bigger than Georgia. we got to get this president back in office. It's a shame that we're at this point here in America that we've let these foreign countries come into our, uh, into our country to talk about uh, the deal in our election when their election is terrible. Their election has never been fair, and we've uh, invited them in through some old people in Washington, and I think it's insulting. You know, it is insulting, and this is about the Republic, and I was saying earlier, uh, Herschel, that this may be the greatest battle that we have been called upon to fight in this country, save the Revolutionary War, and yet we fight it for the same thing. We fight it for freedom. We fight it for the Republic, and this is so crucial right now. We are at a time that no one else has been since the Revolutionary War in a point in history where what we do— what we all do right now will determine whether or not those who come after us will live freely. That's exactly right, and you and, and I want everybody to realize that that we're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your kids, your grandkids, your great great grandkids, you know, your sister, your brother, and and you know there are some people, and I hate to say this, that's in Washington, that's been in office for a long time that just want to turn a blind eye at this. And I think it's a shame. It's sad. And I want them out of office. I think we got to get this president back elected, and then we got to remove those people from office. And some that may need to go to jail need to go to jail. This is I agree. the United States of America. And if you don't believe in the Constitution, you don't need to be living here, and you don't need to be running for an office in this country. Yeah, it's very, it's shameful. It really is. And, you know, here's the thing, though, Herschel, you know, you want to say that people need to start thinking about, you know, contributing and maybe really good people need to run for office. Here's the catch, though. I would have said that last year, but this year, watching how an election was stolen, and if we don't fight this, how we may never have 
a free election again after the 2016 election. That would have been the last free election. So, I mean, this is this is why we fight. This is what we're fighting for. And I don't think that people realize that, that, you know, and you look at it, you look at it over time, and this is what I don't think the American people realize. This may have been going on for such a long time. That's the reason some people that have stayed in office for such a long time, when you've seen this millennial world come into existence, the way it has come into existence, but yet you see the same people staying in office. Now you may realize the reason why is because of what's been happening with this election. Well, we need to change it. We need to stand up right now and fight. If you don't fight today, you'll be kneeling tomorrow for the people of our communist China mm-hmm. or for these other countries. And I think that people don't realize that's what I'm talking about. And, and it's strange that it got to this point, but I'm saying people have to educate themselves and not just sit and bite now being comfortable. You can't be comfortable when you some, see something that's not right in America. So what do people, I mean, here's the thing, you know, January 6th, they are coming together. The representatives will be meeting at the Capitol. And I have talked to some people in Washington, D.C. about how important it is that they stand firm. And some, you'll be surprised to hear, no, you won't be surprised to hear that some have said, oh, no, we got to let this go, let it go. It's enough. It's enough. And I'm advising my guy not to, not to stand firm. I'm going to tell you something. You are in a place of influence right now if you are in Washington. Washington, D.C., and you are working at the Capitol, you have an opportunity right now to do the right thing because this will be the last time you have that opportunity. This is, I just, Herschel, I don't even know how to explain to some people how important this is. Well, you know, you got to do the right thing for America. It got nothing to do with the individual person. It's right. for America. When you took the oath to office, your oath was, I would defend the Constitution of the United Amen. States of America, foreign and domestic. When you take the oath as a military, I would defend the country, foreign and domestic. And now we're now having some people in Washington that forgot about the oath that they've taken. And what we have to do there as the American people who are really in control is tell our legislators and the them, no, you are going to do the right thing, and if you don't, we need to remove them. We have to remove them. We're not going to sit back anymore and let this continue to happen, because if it happens, we're not going to be the country that we used to recognize years ago. You know, I never thought that being a person of authority, you look down on a people and not take care of them. When you put someone in order and control to be the leader, you have to be the leader. You're not a leader to sit there and do decisions for yourself. You're a leader to do it for the people. But it seems like every decision a lot of the people have made have been decisions for themselves. They had nothing to do with the people. You know, you're so right. And when you think about I talked about this in my monologue today, those men that fought for the Republic, that weathered all the elements that sacrificed their lives, their fortunes and their sacred honor, they didn't do it so that a bunch of spineless bureaucrats could sit in D.C. and snub their noses at anyone who suggests that we fight hard this very final battle to save the Republic. Well, I, I don't think they realize that. And, and I said something today. I said, you know what's sad that they may have voted on a stimulus check for the American people, and everyone is like so excited about it of six hundred dollars. But Big yet, uh, the people in Washington was paid their full salary. Mm-hmm. But yet, the people was not to blame of what's been going on. They're not to blame of the decision that's been made in Washington. But yet, they're being punished for it. And if you're a great leader, you wouldn't take one cent without the uh, one uh, person ever 
ever, ever taken anything. I saw something Rand Paul said today that I thought was very, absolutely incredible. And I can tell you right now, he's a leader because he said, you know, I'm not going to get vaccinated because uh, he said before any elderly get vaccinated because he said, I had COVID. Well, right now, I may have be immune to right now. So right now, I'm going to step back and let someone older get it. I said, that is a leader. That's not no one that I want to be the first one in line. I'm going to throw everyone else out because I want to take care of myself. (laughs) No, you take care of your people. You take care of your people, and you're the last one to step up to eat. That's the way you should do it. And I said, it is sad. We have changed this country till we get spineless leaders in Washington that don't want to stand up for the truth for this country. Yep, you're absolutely right. You know, there's something else you said, too, just recently, and it really resonated with me because, you know, when you talk about spineless and, and standing up for what you believe, there were so many Republicans that you, you and you talked about this, you said shared the stage with the president. And, you know, we know the president helped them get elected. And where are they now? Where the heck are they right where now? Where they are now, because they know what's going on. They have been in office, and they know what's going on. It's like, let's stay to the status quo. You know, I'm back in office, so let's just move on. Well, you don't move on. And, you know, to be honest with you, when the president gets elected for the four more years, you're one of the people that's going to be out of office, because you're not the leader for the United States of America. And then we need to put in place, if you're going to run for office here in this country, you have to believe in the Constitution. you got to believe in America, are you disqualified? When you, or when you get audition for a job, if you don't meet the qualification of a job, you don't get that job. Well, the qualification for to be in the United States of America, Congress, Senate, you got to believe in the Constitution. You can't come saying, I believe in defunding the police. That's not what the Constitution said. We fund the police. We can't come and say, oh, I don't believe in the Constitution. No, we believe in the Constitution. you got to believe in America to run for office in America. Yeah, well said. Well said. Now, I know you've been very involved in your heart. You know, you still have family in, in Georgia. What are your thoughts on the election there? What do you think is going to happen? What do people well, need to do? Yeah, I think people are going to be more vigilant. And I've told everyone, everyone that can vote, that legally can vote, get out and vote. Be vigilant. And, you know, and I think the bad players that raised their head during the presidential election will find out it's not going to be as easy. And I want everyone to be on notice and to watch and see what's going on. I think what the governor and his lieutenant governor has done by signing that uh, non-verification of signature, I think that is appalling. It is appalling because how can you not verify? You know, I'm tired of people saying, you know, I don't have an ID. Who don't have an ID in the United States of America? Let's be honest here. Who do not have an ID? You have to have an ID to do anything <laughs> That's in right. this country. That's right. And you know, if you, you don't do. have an ID, you may not deserve to vote. Let's be honest. That's the way it is. I'm tired of people talking about suppression and this and that. You know what? This is a privilege. This is a privilege and a right we have to vote. But now we're not going to become a third world country that people now just doesn't care. And we're just going to say, oh, let's just let it go. No, we can't let it go. You let it go today, it gets worse tomorrow. That's what has happened with this justice system we have. We let people break the law. We let people get away with breaking the law so they continue to do more and more and more where it's time for it to stop and i think we got the right president in office we got to keep him in office for four more years so we can continue to help him straighten this up get rid of the people in washington that do not believe in the united states get rid of them they don't need to be there anymore get rid of them we the people have to stand up with him and get those people out of office and you know there's a lot of things can change when we're doing the right thing 
Herschel, we just so appreciate you and your enthusiasm and your support of the president, but even greater, your support of the republic. We have like two two minutes here. Could you, do you have a message to just give hope to the American people? This is Christmas week. We'll be celebrating, you know, the reason for the season in just a few days. Do you have, is there any words of wisdom or hope that you'd like to share with the audience for Christmas? Well, you know, the hope I can give the audience is, guys, God don't like ugly. God did not like uh, that they do something wrong. He would continue to have faith. We got to continue to have faith in the Lord. We have faith in the Lord because this president here had prayer service in the Oval Office. He had people praying over him that he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's bringing back that faith. You know, I remember they wanted to remove Christmas. Remember, they didn't want no one to say Merry Christmas. And I'm not talking about any one religion. What I'm talking about, what America believed in for years. And I want everyone to have a Merry Christmas and to know that God loved that evil and God can't live in the same place. And I can tell you now, the United States of America is not an evil place. We have a lot, a lot of good people here in the United States of America, and we can come together as a people to get rid of the bad people out of it. And those people that do not want to be a part of our system here, they can move on. And I think America really believes in that. I agree with you, sweetie. Thank you so much. And Merry Christmas to you, Herschel Walker. Thanks for joining us today. All right, still, I'll take some of your phone calls. Lots more to talk about. And uh, don't forget, during the break, go to social media platforms. Facebook, Rose Unplugged. Twitter, at Rose underscore Unplugged. Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. You can find me just about anywhere else uh, under Rose Unplugged. That's also my website. So I've been enjoying hearing from all of you. And uh, we'll be back with lots more of The Hannity Show after this. Okay, I, Herschel Walker, what a sweetheart, right? So listen, hey, um, we'll take some of your phone calls on the other side of the break. Before we go to the break, though, I know we have a couple of minutes here. Um, Andrew Yang, he's this entrepreneur and founder. I don't even know. You know what? He's a former presidential candidate. I have no idea who he is. But anyway, he, he sent out this tweet. He said, is there a way for someone to easily show that they have been vaccinated, like a barcode they can download to their phone? There ought to be, he tweets. Tough to have mass gatherings like concerts or ball games without either mass adoption of the vaccine or a means of signaling. Okay, look, these are the same people who don't want to require IDs for voting, right? They do want an ID, well, for everything else. But you know what concerns me? When you suggest something like this, you're almost suggesting that you can't buy or sell without this mark of some kind, you know, this code or on your phone, or on a bracelet. That's what these people are calling for. Astounding to me how many people were okay with that. And he seems to be all about civil rights. Now, a lot of people recognize that this is outrageous suggestion, and they recognize it for what it is. And if you want to see it, I did um, retweet on my page, and I also added, hey, instead of a bracelet, why not pin like a star to our jacket or something like that? So a, a lot of people really weighed in on this. But you know, I, when when I hear people talk about things like that, it just gets, it, I get scared. And then when I see how many people actually support that, I'm even more frightened by all of that. All right, we're going to be back. I'll take some of your phone calls and we'll wrap up the show. Uh, don't forget, during the break, go to my social media platforms on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Instagram is Rose Unplugged, the number one. And then all other platforms are basically just Rose Unplugged. So I, I, I love hearing from you and make sure you do go in and like me, follow me, all that stuff. And check out some of the tweets that we talked about today. Linda has some important information on Hannity.com. I also posted on my 
social media. I've got a picture of my lovely dog wishing you a Merry Christmas and so much more. So uh, be sure to check it out and we'll come back right after the break. Stay with us. Stay in touch with the Hannity faithful. Join the message board at Hannity.com. Welcome back to the Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Check me out on social media, Rose Unplugged on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. I am loving it. People are sending me pictures of their dog. I posted my golden doodle, Tucker, um, wishing you a Merry Christmas. And then I get all these great pictures. Send them. I love them. The cutest pictures. Anyway, um, a little, okay, so one more thing I want to tell you too. Um, I check out my Twitter page because I've got that Fight for Trump video that went viral after he put it out on Instagram. I've got the list of restaurants defying governor's orders and staying open. I have um, Arizona raw data that uh, shows you research and conclusions uh, on what's really going on in Arizona. Uh, my golden doodle, as I mentioned, Tucker. And then um, Linda also passed on to me, and it's also at Hannity.com, uh, a list of uh, contact information. We need you to contact your representatives. But also on there, I posted this video of this crazy guy, and I think it's a Hobby Lobby. you got to listen to it, and then I've got a couple of comments for the end of it. I- I'm going to play it for you right now. Take a listen. Get away Put from your me. mask on. I'm sorry. You can walk away from me right now, sir. Put your mask on. Get away from me. Put it on. Does it bother anybody else that she doesn't have to wear a mask that we all do? Just go away. Stay six feet away from me then. No. Get away from me. No. Yeah. Please get away from me right now. No. You don't need to come near me. She has it on her damn hand. Get away from me. Walk away from me, sir. Please get away from me. You don't care. Leave me alone. She put she Stay she six feet away baby. from me then. Well, my get out of here. I know who you voted for. <laughs> she says, I know who you voted for. That cracks me up. You know what? Here's the funny part. Not funny, but there's all these, there's a couple of guys in the Hobby Lobby, and um, but there's a whole bunch of women, as you might well res- uh, expect. It was the women that were defending her. They're like, leave her alone. You don't know why she doesn't have that on. And then he thinks that the woman that works there is asking if he wants her to call security. But she was talking to the woman that he was harassing. It's just too much. It's just too much. And at the end, she said, we know who you voted for. And you can't hear it. But there's another woman that says, yeah, really? Oh, my gosh, people. It's just too crazy. All right. We were... um, Here's a socialist on the line. I have to take him, David, from Minneapolis. Thanks for taking my call, Rose. Sure. I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of voices on the right lately, and it's it seems like a lot of false hope. And what I'm hearing is, oh, you know, come come to midterms. Oh, you know, maybe come the presidential election in 2024. And it sounds like they're just disconnected from reality. And the reality is this that we have the machines, we have the courts, and we have the media. And the game is over. You had a good run, 200 and some odd years, great. But now it's over with, and there's nothing that can be done about it. If if you have no place to redress, no place to, to air your grievances, in other words, no court, then there's nothing left 
for you to accept, just to accept it and move on. And there's going to be a lot of disappointed people in the next 18 months, but I'm here to say right now, in 18 months, Sean Hannity and others like him will not have a TV show. They will not have a radio show. And that's just all there is to it. Um, so uh, okay, David. Hold, hold, bad news. Let me, okay, let me ask you a couple of questions. I let you um, share everything that was on your heart and mind. So I've got a question for you. Number one, you said you have, you said we have the machines, we have the media. Who are you referring to? The people behind the levers of power. The, these machines have been around for a while. We have been waiting and watching for the, the right opportunity. And it finally came. And the fix is in. And that's it. That's all there is to Wait, it. Wait, are, are you machine. telling me that you're on the side of of, of the... Are you, are you telling me that you're on that's, the side of the... I, the yeah, that's absolutely why I called. The, the, the ends justify the means. Are you, aren't you, like, opinion. kind of exposing? Aren't you, like, pulling the curtain away and exposing all of this? Or oh, you're admitting that no, you... I mean, they, like, aren't your fellow socialists and everyone else going to be really ticked off at you for, like, saying, yeah, we really did steal the election? Not anymore. That's It's too late for that. that Dude, are you serious? Like, is this a serious call or are you, like, punking me here? No, but is this I'm, a serious I'm being call? absolutely serious, absolutely. And here's one, just one last thing. I keep hearing people say, "Well, what about the 80 million? And and don't you want to reunite and reach out? You don't get it. We don't need you anymore. We don't care. We don't want to unite with you. We want to destroy every single one of you. So that's that's. Oh my that's God! I can't even believe I'm hearing this. Like you're saying it out loud. You're. I mean, like maybe it's said behind closed out. doors. Are you kidding me? If you listen closely, they've been saying it for quite a while. I'm, I'm just one of those. Are you playing in, like the devil's advocate here? You're kind of playing the devil's advocate, Absolute, I think. No, 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 ma'am. I, I will be respectful and, and I will not, re, you know, I'm not going to resort. Well, it's to, not respectful to, when you to, say you don't care about 80 million people. That's not respectful. It's not respectful when you tell us that you don't want to work. Although you're not telling us anything that we didn't already know or suspect. But it's just amazing to me exactly. that someone on the left is actually being honest about what they're all about. Well, how much love do you think that the 80 million have for people like myself? There's absolutely well, well, no. Let me ask you this: How much? No, no, that's not the question. The question is, how much hate do you believe that that 80 million people have for you? Because I don't hate you. Okay, I, I'm concerned okay. by you and what you what maybe, you. Uh, maybe hate's a strong word. Maybe hate's a strong word. It, they have a contempt. That knows no bounds. No, no, no. And Who has the contempt, reasons. David? You have the contempt. Both sides. Both sides, Rose. Both sides have the contempt equally. I'm not. Doubt, I'm not trying to dis, to deny my contempt for your side, but your side has it just as deeply rooted as mine does. Okay, let me ask you a question. I mean, I'm I'm loving this. I mean, I can't as, as long as I'm not being punked right now. Uh, let me ask you a question, David. Do you? I can I can hear my. I think you have a radio on in the background. If you could just turn that down. But David, here's my question for you. Do you not love the republic and everything that it stood for for the last 244 years? There was a watershed moment of my life that changed my views completely. And I'm not going to go with you, you get into the nitty-gritty details because it doesn't really matter. There are millions of people who have had experiences like that, like mine, that came to that conclusion long ago that the republic so to speak, is nothing but crony capitalism. It's taking advantage of one group to the advantage of another. 
and I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. I'm done. And if that means the utter destruction, tearing it down and rebuilding it, great. Then so be it. And, and let the cards and the chips fall where they may. doesn't matter to me anymore. It doesn't matter to you. Do you have kids? Do you have children? I do not. I do not. Okay, well, that's probably a very big reason why it doesn't matter to you, because what we fight for, we fight for for future generations, just like it was fought for us. What we fight for is freedom. And if you are okay with giving up your freedom to a government that is completely out of control, that wants to continue to make themselves bigger and stronger, which means then they are taking away all the power from the people. This country was founded on the idea that, first of all, that we are free. Just like the story I told about the young man who was at the time a young man, a student at Tiananmen Square. He knew even though he couldn't live a free life, there was something within him that said, I must be free. He knew that. He felt it. Even though he didn't experience freedom, he knew it, that that he must and be I, free. I could I understand the sentiment. I just want to leave one, one parting message when you said that I'll give up my freedom I won't, Rose, I won't be the one giving up my freedom. It will be you and your side. You're, you're the ones whose freedom. Yeah, and what freedom will you have left, my friend? Because once they take it away from us, what will you have? You tell me. What freedom will you have once it's been taken away from the rest of us? What is the freedom that you think you'll be holding on to? The difference between the haves and the have-nots at that point. Yeah, and you know that it's just a ruling elite that will be the haves. You do know that, right? Unless you intend on becoming one of the ruling elite. And good luck with that. The, the, the ruling elite has been around since this country's founded. Yeah, well, you're going to see away. you're going to see a lot more disparity be- between the, the the classes than you ever have before. Absolutely, we will. Absolutely, and that is okay with you. Part of the plan. That's all part of the part plan. of what plan? I'll, I'll, to what end? What is your I'll, end, David? I need to know the end. What's the end? What's the end game? Tell me quick. I'm ma- have a minute. A massive, a massive global reset on a scale that people can't even imagine now. They think that they can. They think they can conjure it up in their little brain, but they have no idea what's coming for them. None. Yeah, a world of oppression. I can tell you. I can tell you. It's a world of oppression. That's what you're talking about, and you're okay with that. You said it. You I'm said you were okay with that. Fine. I am, and I'll stand by it. Because you don't want anybody else to have more than you have, right? You can't handle that. You want everybody to be as miserable. I got mine a long time ago. I got mine a long time ago. I'll be just fine. Well, and the hell with everybody else, right, David? To hell with everybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is like the craziest. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I don't know if socialists like to hear Merry Christmas, but um, wow. Was that real? Seriously, was that real? Dude, I don't even know. Oh, my gosh. All right, stay with us. Um, I can't believe the show is almost over. I love being here with all of you. I'm going to be back next Tuesday. I'm coming back next Tuesday, so make sure that you tune in all week because we have great people and a lot of good stuff on the program. And uh, make sure you check me out on social media. It's Rose Unplugged everywhere, just about everywhere. Oh, my God, was that for real? 
It was such a pleasure to be with all of you today, especially as we go into this special holiday. And uh, it is special to me, and I appreciate all of you, and I will be back next Tuesday. Um, That phone caller, just, you know, whether he was punking me or will, he may have been serious. Everybody here seems to agree that he was quite serious. Um, It's it's a little scary, isn't it? And he actually, you know, it's... uh, I don't have enough time to talk about it, but I'll tell you, it's just astounding to me that he was able to, or willing, let's put it that way, willing to be as honest as he was about what it's really all about. So don't forget to check me out, Rose Unplugged on Facebook, at Rose underscore Unplugged on Twitter, and Instagram is Rose Unplugged and the number one. And Parlor and MeWe, that's all Rose Unplugged, and as is my website. I love hearing from all of you. And by the way, um, be sure to check out some of the things I do have on Rose Unplugged right now. We have the Fight for Trump video that... POTUS himself put out and went viral on Instagram. I've got the list of restaurants defying governor's orders and staying open. Also, that Arizona raw data. Uh, You definitely want to check that out. And my golden doodle, Tucker, he's wishing all of you a Merry Christmas. And send your pictures, too. I love that when you send pictures of your dogs. So also you can uh, see that goofball that um, wanted everyone to uh, identify themselves as having had the vaccine. That's on there. And also the crazy video from that guy who was harassing the woman about wearing a mask. You know, we are in some times that are interesting right now. I think we're in... A very serious time for this country, and a lot of us still remain hopeful. We believe that our prayers will be heard. We believe that still men will do the right thing. I mean, that's what's most important, isn't it? That those who have been given that opportunity to have those jobs as representatives of this country and to uphold our Constitution will do the right thing when it comes down to it. This may be the last opportunity you have to do something so great for this country, for this republic. So we're counting on you, and we are trusting you to take that responsibility seriously. We really are. And for all of you, too, I do wish you all a very Merry Christmas, uh, a better year next year. Honestly, I will be able to talk to you again before the new year uh, next Tuesday on this show, and I'm looking forward to that. You know, not long after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, That was December 7th, 1941. Winston Churchill visited Washington, D.C., and he wanted to meet with President Roosevelt and the American military leaders, and they were strategizing, right? So on Christmas Eve, Churchill broadcast his special Christmas message to the world, and I want to share it with you because at a time when the world and the word on everyone's mind, just like now, was freedom, freedom of worship, freedom from want, freedom from fear, Churchill ended with these words that I'm sharing now, and they are relevant to us at this time. Let the children have their night of fun and laughter. Let the gifts of Father Christmas delight their play. Let us grown-ups share to the full in their unstinted pleasures before we turn again to the stern task and the formidable years that lie before us. Resolved that by our sacrifice, and daring, these same children shall not be robbed of their inheritance or denied their right to live in a free and decent world. Let's make that resolution today here together. 
that we are willing to sacrifice and to dare to make sure that those children that we watch on Christmas delight themselves, sure that those children shall not be robbed of their inheritance or denied their right to live in that free and decent world that we all hope for and wish for, for those that we love. And my heart goes out to all of you. I pray that you will be encouraged by these words, that you will be encouraged by a God that does protect us and that we can pray to. So God bless America and a very, very Merry Christmas to all of you.